0: Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. Join host Liz Myers and her guests as they explore resiliency through the lens of personal stories. Tune in weekly for inspiration and doable life hacks to overcome adversity and thrive in life. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks ministries.
1: Hello friends, welcome back to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. I am your host, Liz Myers, and today we have author with us, Leah Forney. She is the author of the book, The Power of Reconciliation, Healing from the Inside Out. And she's going to share with us today about turning our pain into purpose. Thank you for joining us. It's so good to have you with us today.
2: Thank you for having me, Liz.
1: Yeah, so I imagine with a ministry like Turning Your Pain Into Purpose, You've been through some stuff in your life. Do you want to share with us about how you got to the point where you are now?
2: Yeah. So I will say that um, my entire being, existence for the last 34 years has been centered around two things, trauma mm-hmm. and grief and loss. Um, I am the daughter of two addicts. So my mom was has been a drug addict since I was two. And my dad was an alcoholic and in and out of prison since I was nine. And so I was what they used to call back in the 80s when the the crack epidemic happened, a crack baby because I was born addicted to drugs. Mm. Um, And so from birth, I was saturated in my mother's trauma. Right. My mom, her backstory was that she was molested. um, And so because of her molestation, she went out and started using drugs. Um, so from the womb, I was kind of set up <laughs> for failure. Yeah, Doctors said that I wouldn't live past the age of five. And if I did, I would have all these complications, right? all these delays because of the amount of drugs that was in my system. Mm-hmm. So from a young age, you could probably imagine the pain of feeling unwanted, abandoned, rejected because I went on to live with my maternal grandparents um, and my aunt. And so I lashed out very early on. Like anger was the the emotion that I had. I found myself in positions where I was either arguing with people, fighting with people, just any way to get these emotions out. Um, My grandmother used to be terrified for me as a kid because she used to say her biggest fear was that I either was going to end up dead early on from fighting or in prison. So I had to learn how to channel that. And one way I began to learn how to channel that was writing. And so writing was really my escape from my reality. And what I did in my writing as a young age was create fantasy worlds because I didn't necessarily want to share with people that I was the daughter of two addicts, right? So amongst yeah. my friends uh, my friends in my neighborhood um, who came from two-parent households, I was the odd one out because I'm being raised by grandparents. And so when people would ask me you know, but well, what's going on with your parents? I always had this fantasy story like my dad was a CIA agent on some top secret mission mm-hmm. because I did not I had too much shame around my reality, which was being the daughter of two addicts. So writing was my escape. Never thought I would be an author though. <laughs> that didn't come until very, very later on in life um after enduring going through homelessness and domestic violence and being raped, all these different traumas that happened, I still continued to write. It wasn't maybe in my mid-20s where the thought of writing a book came from. And I just remember one day in my prayer time, God had revealed to me, you should write a book. It's, It's time for you to tell your story. Never in a million years did I think I'd be an author, but... I was always used to writing. I'm a journaler, an avid journaler. I probably have too many journals to be honest with you, Liz, but writing was always my way of escape, my, my therapy, even before I knew what therapy was. And so that's literally how I began my journey as an author and got to where I am today.
1: Wow. What an incredible story. I mean, it's just, it's, a huge victory that you're just even here today and thank you for persevering through all of that and for being willing to to share your story as you mentioned you were kind of set up from the start to have struggles and trials and that's that's so heartbreaking but I'm just amazed with what all you've done with that and and where you are now and I know that you can give hope and encouragement to a lot of other people who are going through stuff that's maybe you know, they didn't have anything to do with, or that's unfair. Um, it's, it's so upsetting, I guess, I'm not sure what word to use, that, um, you know, you felt such shame as a child for something you had no control over. Yeah. Like, you didn't ask for that. It wasn't, you know, a problem you were having. But, um, yeah, that's just, that's just really an incredible story. So, how did you learn to turn all that pain into purpose, how did that come about?
2: Yeah, so I spent a lot of time um, nurturing my relationship with God. So from a very young age, my grandparents were instrumental in making sure that me and my siblings went to church, had started to form this relationship with God. But for a long time, I kind of was just like, all right, I'm just going to church to appease my grandparents. It wasn't until I was about 17, 18 years old. And my grandmother literally sat me down and she was like, listen, I'm not going to force you to go to church anymore because I know you don't really want to go, but you're going to have to develop your own relationship with God because he, he can't be grandma's God anymore. Right. He has to be a personal relationship with you and him. So from about 17 to like 22 I did what I wanted to do, right? I'm hanging out with my friends, I'm partying, I'm doing all these things. And I end up in a domestic violence relationship. And it got so bad that one night, the very last night that that man put his hands on me, I remember barricading myself into my bedroom because we shared the apartment. And I just said, God, I don't even know if you hear me. Because I hadn't had no relationship. We weren't talking, right? And I was like, but if you get me up out of this, I promise you, I will serve you with my whole life. And the very next morning, the gentleman woke up and said, get out. And I knew in that moment, one, God heard me. Hmm. And two, that that was him giving me the way of escape. And so I took everything that I had. I called my aunt. We loaded up her car and I left, never to look back. Hmm. And from that moment was the moment that I said, okay, I know him to be real. Hmm. And I'm going to trust him throughout my life and see just see what is it that i'm here to do right because i truly believe pain does have purpose you go through what you go through not just for you right there's definitely a growth and a development that happens for you but it's always for something much bigger and so from that moment i just decided okay god i'm just gonna trust you I'm gonna trust you in every area, every season of my life. I don't know how this is supposed to work. I don't even know how to pray at this point. I'm just like talking to him, just like I'm talking to you. But was willing to just be submissive and 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 open to seeing where this would take me. And so it didn't happen overnight. You know, I did I little by little did I discover purpose because I truly believe that success leaves clues, right? Like mm-hmm. the more you go through life. You'll find yourself in very similar situations, very similar circles. And so what I found was that a lot of people came to me for advice or counsel. So then that made me go into the field of mental health. You know, a lot of times I was I was always great at writing. So that made me want to write a book. So little by little, God began to drop little nuggets as to this is what you're supposed to be doing. And this is why I put you in the position to tell your story and to share your pain, but it, it definitely wasn't an overnight process. It was a journey.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of times we can miss those little clues if we're not actively looking for them. Yeah. It just kind of becomes a part of the background of our life that we don't we don't realize the significance of it. I wonder, as you you know look back over your story now, can you see those points where God was at work in your life, even though you didn't recognize it at the time, you know, what are some yeah. ways that he was taking care of you or or with you in the midst of those those painful moments?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the big the one that comes to me now is thinking about my my mom. So my mother um, and I both lived in the city of New York for probably I moved out the New York City 12 years ago. So for majority of my life, my mother and I lived in the same city and state and I never saw her under the influence of drugs, hmm. never saw her um high never saw her out in the streets you know prostituting any of that and I always tell people I think that was God's way of protecting me because my mom to me she was like this hero right like I just couldn't see my mom any other light besides this woman that I absolutely adore and love and so I believe that in God's protection it was like, okay, I can't let her see her like this. Cause if I let her see her like this, it's going to tarnish how she feels about her. Mm -hmm. And so for years, I never saw my mother under the influence of drugs. I knew that that's what she was struggling with because of course my grandmother eventually shared it with us, Mm -hmm. but I never saw it. So I I think about all just in that moment, not even realizing it was his protection, Mm -hmm. right? But just now looking back, I'm like, wow, God, you've literally had your hand in so many things. Even when I wasn't going to church, you know, he would send co-workers who believed in God to just begin to speak things to me. And at first it was kind of like, why are you talking to me? But they were planting that seed that eventually as I went along, it began to water and then the harvest came and then I became you know active in church and ministry and all these things that i do now that started many many years ago that's
1: so amazing when we become aware of those tender moments where god's like involved in the little details of our life that, that to me I, I know god does a lot of big things you know yeah. uh, but to me the moments when i really feel loved by him is those mm-hmm. little moments that, like, nobody else knows about, but he knew what I needed in that moment, and he provided it. Even, you know, like you said, in spite of my, you know, how connected I am to him in that moment, yeah. or if I'm, like, quote, doing life right or not, Um just that he, he shows up in those tender moments. I love that yeah. about God. Yeah. So how did all of this then turn into writing a book? You said you wrote... um you know, throughout your life. And at one point you're like, okay, I'm supposed to write a book. So now what, what did you, what did you do next?
2: So I started book, I started and released my very first book four years ago. um, And it was called unapologetically me. And that story was literally me detailing this, this inner battle that I had regarding my relationship with my mom. So as I had gotten older and really like, Understood addiction. You know, at this point, I'm already in my career doing mental health work, all these things. And I struggled because, on the one hand, the little girl in me was absolutely in love with my mom. On the other hand, I was like, I absolutely hate what she does. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I had to take care of her for an extended period of time where God was kind of like using my mom as a mirror to show me, hey, this is this can be your life if you don't work on or heal those parts of you that you don't want to you don't want to deal with Mm -hmm. um and so from there I just learned to chant again going back to childhood channel that pain into writing so how I got into it was at my church that I was with at in North Carolina at the time I was really close friends with an editor who was also an author and I sat down with her her name was Ruth Griffin and I was like I think I want to write a book And she was like, okay, well, I can help you with that. Like, we could talk about it. And I just started writing. Like, I had no clue what the story, I was like, okay, God, if this is really what you want me to do, like, I'm just going to trust that you're going to give me the words. You're going to map this thing out. And so as I started writing and I would turn in my drafts to her, she would always say, Leah, you are such a storyteller. Like, you know how to tell a story to really show people those emotions, those raw emotions that you were struggling with. And so when I released Unapologetically Me, April 1st, 2017, I had no idea that other women were battling with the same exact issue of struggling to have this, this amazing love, uh, like, relationship with their mom, while internally you kind of have this love-hate feeling for them. And it wasn't until it was released. And that's when I really learned how important our testimonies are and how important our stories are. Because I think for a long time I felt alone in that. I felt like nobody was going to get it until I wrote the book. Mm. And then I had a flooding of so many women saying, thank you for writing that book. Wow. Because that's my issue. There's
1: just an incredibly powerful thing about sharing our stories. So that's that's part of what I love about what I'm doing now is just, you know, getting to listen to so many people's courageous stories and and how they're using that to help others. Um, It's just, it's really cool (laughs) to get to see that.
0: When building a resilient life, the first step Liz coaches people to take is to spend time daily with God. When you seek God consistently, he will show you the best next step for your journey. If you'd like a peek at how Elizabeth connects with God regularly, download her free prayer guide and journal at elizabethmyersme forward slash prayer guide. You can now have the same journal Elizabeth uses every day and make it your own.
1: When you're working with other people, do you encourage them to journal as a form of therapy or does it kind of just depend on the person? Like some people would rather do something else or?
2: Yeah, I absolutely encourage people to journal. Um, And I tell people for me, you know, writing is therapeutic, right? Because a lot of times we have so much stuff up in our heads that that when you get it down on paper, um, it just helps you to release it, one. But then the beauty in journaling for me is that when you get to look back, Right. Yeah. So I had this conversation just yesterday with a friend who was going through her own grief and loss journey and was saying, you know what? I look back on a jur- j- journal entry I did two years ago when my dad died and how emotionally raw that was for me. And now I'm like, wow, it doesn't hurt the same it did two years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's what I love about journaling, because you had those. It's kind of like a timestamp, that moment in time for you that you can now look back and see how much you've come and how resilient you are and how much you've made it through what you probably thought was the difficult, most difficult season of your life. Um, so I absolutely, I always encourage somebody to journal.
1: That reminds me of like, you know, a growth chart on a wall, like on a door frame yeah. maybe, where you would mark your kids and how tall make yeah. it. It's just a way to track our own growth and, and see our own development. Because I think sometimes we, we only see like what's still ahead of us, like, oh, I still mm-hmm. have to do all this stuff. And we forget to praise God for for what's behind us and how far yeah. well, we've already come.
2: Yeah, that's so true.
1: So, do you have opportunity to um, interact with other people who have loved ones who are are addicts? How would you encourage someone who maybe their parent or their spouse or their child or someone is addicted to things you know outside of their control?
2: Yeah, I definitely. For me, um, I would probably encourage them and say, talk about it. Um, And that could be in in a variety of ways, right? So if you have your own support system, definitely be open to sharing. Um, But then professionally, right? I would tell you therapy has done wonders for my life. Um, Just having that outside person that I can feel safe with emotionally with, but then also feel like I'm not gonna be judged if I say, listen, I'm struggling because (laughs) I really wanna like hate my parent right now. Um, But also therapy helped me to see my parents differently. Um, because what I've learned about healing is that as you heal, you see differently, you do differently, right? And you hear differently. So going through my healing of feeling abandoned, feeling rejected behind my parents, I learned to see my mom as just another woman with her own struggles, um, trying to navigate this thing called life, right? Yeah. That's really what most of us are doing with with or without tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and therapy helped me to see her that way it helped me to hear her so when she would call it wasn't the little girl in me anymore you know oh my god my mommy it was the adult version in me that was able to talk to her as the woman that she is but then also place those boundaries and say listen mom i love you i'm here i'm praying for you however i can't for my own sanity for my own emotional well-being i can't i can't deal with this Mm -hmm. right and that was hard right because oh, yeah. anything about healing and i say it all the time to my clients to me healing is like having open heart surgery but you don't get anesthesia right oh. like you got to feel it
1: yeah
2: yeah and it's raw right and it's a, and sometimes it's all those years of bottled up right feelings mm-hmm. and emotions that come to the surface so i would definitely say talk about it um of course journal um definitely pray you know, if that's if that's what you if whatever your spirituality walk is, um, and then be be uh, patient with the process and be patient with yourself. Know that you're human, and they're gonna you're gonna have those moments where one minute you want to be around the person, your loved one, because again, that's still your loved one, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're gonna have those moments where you're like i can't deal with this and if that happens it's okay know that that's okay because you're human and you're going through this one thing people don't know about it, understand about addiction is that the family and the loved ones go through the addiction yeah. too mm-hmm. it's not just the addict right so mm-hmm. they're dealing with the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs and all of that the calls from the cops the call like they're dealing with that just as much as the addict is going through it mm-hmm. so be patient with your journey um towards healing
1: that's a great point. You know, my husband just recently retired from the military, and we've always talked about how, you know, the family serves too. <laughs> yeah. It's not just him. I mean, we're, we're bearing the brunt of some of that too, and I, I hadn't really applied it to this context until you just said that, but um, yeah. you're totally right. I can, I can totally see how that affects everybody. Um, so your, your most current book, your most recent book is about reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more about what, what's in there?
2: yeah so 2020 outside of it being a crazy year for the (laughs) world um my mother ends up having a massive stroke and so how that comes about is one night in the middle of the night about three o'clock in the morning i get a phone call from a drug dealer literally holding my mom captive saying she owes me all this money and if she doesn't pay up they're gonna harm her so of course my initial Thought process is, whoa, whoa, what? This is my mom. But then at the same time, there was this frustration and this anger that kind of flood in like, wait, why are you calling me with this? Why are you bringing this into my life? Um, And so in that moment, I just, you know, I prayed. I said, okay, God, I don't know what this is about, but I'm just going to trust you. So two days after that initial phone call, five o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call again. Only this time, I'm not trying to pick up the phone. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, answer the phone. Well, when i answered the phone it's a doctor from my local hospital in new york city calling me to basically say that not only had my mom been beaten but she just had a massive stroke and she has a blood clot in her brain and they need to now do emergency surgery and i need to tell them whether or not it's okay to do it so in that moment my mom's life is literally in my hands so immediately i'm like okay do what you got to do to to save her so she has the surgery I call my grandmother, I call my aunt, and I'll be honest with you, Liz, none of us thought my mom would make it through. Like, we were on the phone planning a funeral. Like, mm-hmm. that's literally what my thought process was. So she makes it through the surgery, and she literally has to learn how to walk, talk, eat, everything all over again. In the midst of that, what most people didn't know was I am one of six siblings. So three of them, my maternal grandparents adopted, and the other three of my parents, my mom signed over her rights from birth. But I always wanted to know my other siblings. Well, right in the midst of all of that, God answers that prayer, because the adopted mother of my other siblings reaches out to my aunt on social media. And so while my mom is going through her recovery process, and I'm learning to finally let go and finally trust God that he's gonna take care of my mom and I don't have to do it anymore. I get the greatest gift ever and connecting with my other three siblings. And so that's literally how power reconciliation came about because God wanted me to show, not just me, but the world and those who read it, that he, he can reconcile anything mm-hmm. in your life. It may feel like it's taking forever <laughs> for that moment to come, But he knows the day, the time, the hour, that that needs to happen. And so it just so happened. He thought as the same time he's healing my mom, he would bring healing in that part of our lives. And now I have the greatest relationship with all six of my siblings.
1: Oh, that is incredible. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. God's timing is amazing. So after you connected, then I guess you were able to meet with them in person. Do they live nearby or?
2: yeah so we all live over all over um some of them are still in new york my older brother is in florida the youngest is in um arizona but we facetime regularly Hmm. um and i have became an aunt of 11 now because the rest of them have kids so it's just been amazing how god literally allowed that to happen because it was always a prayer that i was just waiting for him to answer like god i know they're out there somewhere like how do we get in contact with them so i was just amazed at his timing and all of that. And so that's what inspired the book.
1: Yeah, it's just like the size of your family and the love you have access to just multiplied all of a sudden. (laughs) Right. So in in that, uh, was there an aspect of forgiving your mom for mistakes that she had made or choices that she had made?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was so when she was recovering from her stroke, um, I had to come to that place of of forgiveness. Um, And it was funny, because I didn't realize how much I, I thought I forgave her, but didn't mm. really until she was going through and did these changes. And, yeah. and even after recovering from the stroke, unfortunately, she decided to continue dealing with drugs. And it was in that moment that I had to say, okay, this is where I get off the, mm. the roller coaster ride. And that was so hard for me. And my grandmother, she was like, I'm so proud of you because I know how much you love your mom and how hard it is to just walk away. But mm-hmm. it was never walking away in my heart. It was just physically saying, mom, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I love you and I forgive you, you know, again, cause I saw it by this time I see her differently. Like she wasn't yeah. just mom. She wasn't the mom that I placed in my brain on this high pedestal. She was just another woman with mm-hmm. some struggles. Mm-hmm. And so by this time it was so easy to forgive her and let her off the hook and, and still love her and still pray for her and still encourage her while she went down her own journey and i had to go down my own
1: yeah that's powerful because everybody at the end of the day has to make their own choices yeah. and for the most I, there may be some exceptions but i think for the most part most people on the planet are trying to do the best they can with what they have yeah with the resources they have available and you know, unfortunately, different people are born with different resources or different things available to them or, or not. It's so much harder, though, to, to get to that place of reconciliation with somebody as close to you as your parent, where you feel like you should be taking care of me, not the other yeah. way around. I mean, that's, that's yeah. got to be very, very challenging.
2: Absolutely it was. Absolutely it was. But I think what happened for me was that I was also at a place personally where I was starting to choose me. Hmm. Um, because for a long time, I wasn't choosing me. It was I was the kid that every time she called, I went running. I don't care what part of the US I was in, what was happening at the time, it was my mom needed me and I had to go. Hmm. So finally in my adult life and going through my own therapy and really healing that inner child in me, I got to a place where I was like, you know what? I have to choose me because my emotional and my mental and my spiritual wellness matters just as much as hers does. Right. And I can't keep going through this cycle with her, and so it was hard. I cried for many days after that because I really was like, God, am I doing the right thing? Like, am I? And He was like, Yeah, because now that your hands is out of the way, I can now handle it. I can uh-huh. deal with it. I can I can do what you can't do. And so uh-huh. I got that reassurance that God was going to take care of her.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. When, and as I stepped out the way. that that is good stuff right there.
1: (laughs) Uh, I feel like sometimes the best thing we can do to quote help God is just stand aside and and let him do what he does best that we can't do. But I know that that's also um, just true in general when you have a relationship and there's some issues in there. When one person starts to get healthy, it it makes the relationship more difficult because that other person isn't Necessarily getting healthy at the same rate that you are, and that creates additional strife because you're no longer playing their game, and right. that's hard. That's very hard.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't say I couldn't say it any better. It is. It's <laughs> definitely. It's definitely hard. And and you know, but it it again, it helps you to begin to see the person because I think a lot of times, especially with our parents we kind of put them on a pedestal, like mm-hmm. their parents. And in our mind, they're supposed to be perfect, these perfect humans, and they're not supposed to be flawed. And that's the beauty of therapy and my relationship with God was because both of them hand, single-handedly showed me that they are flawed mm-hmm. and they are human beings and they mm-hmm. go through just like I go through, right? And mm-hmm. like my mom's drug of choice may have been, you know, crack cocaine. My drug of choice might be retail therapy, right? Like mm-hmm. whatever we need to do to cope in the moment. Yeah. It doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them human. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's great when we can see people through God's eyes. It's yeah. much easier to deal with their stuff and our stuff that's related to their stuff and yeah. and all of that. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. This has just been incredible. I'm just amazed at what God has done in you and through you, and and I just know you're gonna be a voice of encouragement and strength to people who need to hear that. So thank Thank you you. for being brave and and sharing with us.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Liz.
1: Yeah, so tell our listeners where they can get your book, where they can get in touch with you online, uh, you know, if they wanna hear more from you or connect with you.
2: Yeah, so they can go to my website for any of my books. It's Um, I'm all on social media as Leah M. Forney, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, I'm all over there Leah M. Forney. Uh-huh. Okay, well, that's great. And I will put all the
1: links to those in the show notes, as always, so that if you're out and about, you can... Uh, click on those and just get access to Leah. And thank you so much for coming. Um, This has really just been a blessing to me, and I know it will be a blessing to others.
2: Thank you for having me, Liz.
0: You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with Liz Myers. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by the guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. To learn more and download your free guide to Liz's top 20 Resilient Life Hacks, Go to ResilientLifeHacks.com. Subscribe now so you never miss the life hacks you need to live the life you want.